please turn to Luke chapter 1 for our first reading. This morning we're going to consider being highly favoured and blessed. Highly favoured and blessed. Okay, Luke chapter 1 verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation or greeting this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. In those verses we see that God sent the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary and he told her that she was blessed among women. We see that in verse 28. Note that Gabriel did not say that Mary was blessed above all other women. But she was nevertheless blessed among women. Without any shadow of a doubt, she was blessed among women. And the reason is given in verse 28. It was because she was highly favoured by God. She was highly favoured by God and she was blessed among women. Even though Mary had never been with a man, Gabriel said to her, that through the miraculous intervention of God, the Holy Spirit, she shall conceive in her womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Jesus is a transliteration or an equivalence of the Hebrew Joshua. So Jesus is equivalent to Joshua. And you would have to ask at this point, what does Joshua mean? The Hebrew Joshua. And it means Jehovah is salvation. That must have given Mary much to ponder in her heart that she was to call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Without a doubt, Mary was highly favoured. She was blessed among women. But you know what? So too are all Christians blessed 
and highly favoured. Even though you're certainly no better than anyone else, you, dear Christian, are nevertheless blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. With blessings such as the forgiveness of all your sins, your soul has been delivered from hell's destruction. Even now, you have everlasting life. You will never perish. You are safe in the hand of the mighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and safe in his Father's hand. I think we we fail to appreciate just how blessed we are, how highly favoured we are to be Christians. Truly favoured. Is that you? Are you a Christian? Are you someone who is highly favoured and blessed among men and women, even though you deserve nothing good from God at all? Putting it another way, have you been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places as one who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour from sin? That's what it comes down to, isn't it? Are you trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin? Let's have another carol. That was quick. Number 10. (laughs) Number 10. We're going to turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'll read from verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The angel of the Lord brought good tidings of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ to lowly shepherds. 
seems shouldn't really surprise you if you understand anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who sat down to eat with uh, sinners, tax collectors, much hated tax collectors. And he came into the world to save sinners. Not good people, but bad people. People like us. And even the news of his coming wasn't delivered to kings and presidents and all the rest of it, but to lowly shepherds. And of course Jesus himself, though he's God, very God, he made himself of no reputation. Taking upon himself the form of a servant, a slave. He came into this world as a man. And as we've been singing, God was veiled in flesh. So the angel of the Lord brought good tidings of the birth of Jesus to lowly shepherds. And note verse 11 there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour which is Christ the Lord. I've probably read that verse many times but it really struck me for the first time how much meaning it has when I heard it um, preached in India by my pastor in India. He brought out so much from that verse 11 there. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour which is Christ the Lord. Remember this we're talking about a little baby here. Even as a newborn baby, Jesus was declared to be a saviour. That is precisely why he came into the world. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We've already seen that the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. We see it in his name. And the angel of the Lord was declaring that that little baby, baby Jesus, is a saviour. Also the angel declared baby Jesus to be the Christ. Unto you is born this day a saviour which is Christ. The angel declared Jesus to be that Christ whose coming had been promised in Old Testament prophecies, such as Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6. There are many prophecies that have their fulfilment in Christ Jesus. This is just one of them, Isaiah 49 and verse 6, where it is written, and written over 700 years before the baby was born. It is a light thing, that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thirdly, the angel referred to baby Jesus as Lord. Unto you is born this day a saviour, which is Christ the Lord. That title Lord 
as it applies to Jesus, tells us that even in the newborn baby dwelt all the fullness of the creator God, that he is God manifest in the flesh. Take that in, in that little baby, we see the God who laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. Can you see what I mean now about there being so much in that verse? So much there. Verse 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour which is Christ the Lord. We're still in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2. Verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Speaking about 700 years before Christ Jesus came into the world, the prophet Isaiah said, He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I'm getting the wrong, I'm getting mixed up here. Let's start again. I'll start. When the time had come for Mary to give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph, who was presumed to be the father of Jesus, most certainly did not take Mary to the maternity suite at the local hospital in Nazareth. At the time, they were about 60 miles away in Bethlehem. They travelled there to register their names for tax purposes. That's why they'd gone to Bethlehem. In the providence of God, that was. God had planned it that way. There was no room at the inn, which is thought to have been a guest chamber, most probably in the house of relatives. So Mary wrapped baby Jesus in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, that's a cattle trough, presumably having given birth to him in a part of the family home that was set aside for animals. We can see in verse 16, that when the shepherds arrived, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. That's what we see there, verse 
16. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You'd have to wonder who else, if anyone else, was present there in that animal room to carefully and with God's guidance to deliver baby Jesus the God child who was there apart from Joseph and Mary and of course the baby who had been born perhaps the delicate work of delivering that precious and divine baby and handing him into his mother's arms went to Joseph I don't know Maybe it went to Joseph, whose hands were more used to handling wood. And speaking of hands, is it not amazing to think that the hands of that little baby would one day be nailed to a cross about 33 years later, when Jesus would finish the work that his father had sent him to do, that is to save sinners. Again, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's turn to the Old Testament, to a prophecy that I accidentally referred to earlier. It's Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9. Verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it, with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That was spoken over 700 years before Baby Jesus was born. And the prophet Isaiah said those words, he have no form, no comeliness. That same prophet, elsewhere he says, he have no form, nor comeliness. This is what I'm reading now, comes from Isaiah chapter 53. He have no form, nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. As the mouthpiece of Almighty God, the prophet Isaiah was accurately depicting 
uh, predicting in those words how the unbelieving Jews would see Jesus. They wanted an earthly king who would kick out the Romans and restore their former glory. They did not want someone who, when he started his public ministry, he came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This is not what they wanted to hear. They did not want to be told to repent and to believe the gospel. Again, they they wanted an earthly conqueror to kick out the Romans and to to restore their former glory. Neither would those unbelieving Jews have considered it very regal, very royal of Jesus to eat with the much-hated tax collectors and with sinners. The only kingly thing that those unbelieving eyes saw about Jesus was a crown on his head. But even that was a crown of thorns at the cross. They despised him. They esteemed him not. And their rulers cried, crucify him, crucify him. However, we've also heard from Isaiah chapter 9, a very different prophecy of Isaiah. It's a different perspective of Jesus. It's not spoken uh, through... He's not speaking as one looking through unbelieving eyes here. He's not explaining or describing Jesus as he was seen by the unbelieving Jews. And and let's extend that. People here on this island, do they really, do they like Jesus? Of course they don't. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep it in mind that the world hated me first the world it's not just the jews it's the whole world why is that why does the world hate jesus because jesus is the light of the world and the world loves the darkness rather than the light because its deeds are evil as i've said before how not to win friends Strike up a conversation about Jesus in the workplace or at school. Amongst your friends, talk about Jesus. Mr. Popular, Miss Popular, you will not be. That's for sure. The world doesn't like Jesus, it hates him. And we see it in the words that I read from Isaiah 53. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. However, in the other prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9 that was read before, we read that his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. By the grace of God, that is precisely how all of you who know Jesus as your Saviour from sin how you know him and how you see him. It is by the grace of God that you don't 
despise him and esteem him not. It is by the grace of God that you see him for who he is. The mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And you see him as your saviour, the God of your salvation. The one who is altogether lovely. You see him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus rose again and he is now highly exalted and seated at the right hand of the throne of God, having endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy that was set before Jesus when he was nailed to the cross? The joy that of knowing that he would again be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But he endured the cross, despising its shame. At the cross, Jesus had all the sins of all that came, that all that he came to save laid upon him when he sacrificially laid down his life for them, for all who would ever trust in him. Jesus was wounded for their transgressions. He was bruised. He was broken for their iniquities, for their depravity. With his stripes, with his wounds, they you are healed dear Christian it was a death in which Jesus poured out his blood thereby reconciling hell deserving sinners to a holy and righteous God that's why Jesus came into the world to reconcile sinners to a holy God and he has done that by the blood of his cross Therefore, as I finish, let me say the most important thing for you to do is to repent, to show repentance towards God, to be baptised, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he, having been born of a virgin in Bethlehem and having been given by God, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, given by God, He has paid the price for your sins with his own precious blood. Amen. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen.